powered by Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Game Over Winnipeg. Some of you all notice I had to use the outro video as my intro because for some reason my intro video just stinks. We hate her. It never seems to work. And for those of you who sit through the beginning of my streams all the time and you have to hear all the glitchiness, I hope that was a little bit better. <laughs> Welcome back to Game Over Winnipeg, everyone. My name is Liz. Good to see you all again. Uh, as you can see, I'm by my lonesome tonight. Um, so I am going to be breaking down this Jets game. Like Brady already said in the chat, Liz always gets the fun losses. I don't like doing these shows by my own, by myself all the time because I find that I'm just kind of, you know, filling the space with hot air every now and then. But at least when it's a bad loss like this, I know I have stuff I can fill it air with, right? So Jets lose 5-2 to the Washington Capitals tonight. Not the best game we've seen from them this year. <laughs> um, you know, nice way to put it. But before we get started, you think you know what way it's going to go? Make your bet with Sports Interaction. Whether it's World Cup, hockey, football, or basketball, Sports Interaction has you covered. Bet pregame, live and play, or on one of our many prop bets. Sports Interaction makes it easy to deposit, play, and cash out. Join now and see all sports betting has to offer. Want to bet? Head to sportsinteraction.com sdpn. That's sportsinteraction.com slash SDP at 19 plus. Please play responsibly. Awesome. So here we are, like you said, like Lindsay's saying in the chat, all by myself. Yep, that's me. And here I am breaking down a Jets loss today. So 60 minutes of play, obviously. It's hard when you're watching to identify the problems right at the beginning. And sometimes you get to the end and you're like, oh, I'd like to have watched a little bit more of this particular thing to see where they went wrong here, if what I'm noticing now was continuous throughout the game and all that kind of stuff. But tonight, I found that the one big thing the Jets were missing was pretty clear from the get-go and was consistent all through three periods of play. And that was their neutral zone play. So um, for those of you who, you know, when I say neutral zone play, you're kind of like, oh, what specifically do you mean by that? I mean the entire neutral zone, right? Breaking up with the puck, you know, your zone exits and zone entries, as well as defending off the rush from the other team. And I think all of that was tough tonight for the Jets, particularly defending the trap that the Washington Capitals had set up. So when I talk about the trap, um, that's like, you know, a defensive system, you know, some teams play a one, three, one, some play a one, two, two. And I know it was kind of typically created when people are looking to break down, you know, really strong offense and stuff like that. And the Jets really, really struggled, uh, defending against Washington's trap tonight. And I think that that really led to the most of their woes, you know, when they actually had some solid possession, whether it came from, you know, a, after a power play or coming from an offensive zone face off or something like that, I wasn't super upset with some of the things that they were doing. I thought they had some decent chances. I thought that they were able to create a little bit more net front than they have been in some games this year. That's one thing that I've struggled with this year is the Jets really relying on their point shots to get through and then not having as many slot shots, as many high danger chances in that, you know, danger zone right in front of the crease there and whatnot. And I thought that was well, it wasn't amazing tonight, but I thought it was better than it had been in some games, but I just thought that their offensive chances were so limited in quantity because of how poor their zone play was coming out of the defensive zone and going into the offensive zone. And, you know, that's the one thing that I feel like it's a broken record when people talk about Nikolai Ehlers specifically because of his zone entries. And, you know, I feel like people say that all the time, but it's true, right? The ability to actually break through a defensive trap on the other team to create something in the off offensive zone is something that really goes a long way. You don't see it on a score sheet necessarily, and it's not something that's counted in a lot of typical stats that you see, but it's so integral to a team's actual success in a hockey game. And I thought that tonight, 
the Jets struggled with actually breaking through and having that speed off the rush that creates those better chances. If you look at a couple of the goals that the Washington Capitals had tonight, um, like some of them came from their ability to just come in and catch the Jets in poor positioning, right? And that's where a lot of these goals come from in a lot of hockey games, right? These guys are all professionals. And oftentimes, you know, when they're in sound position, that kind of stuff, it's really hard to, you know, break through or get a tip in front because their positioning is good and all that kind of stuff. So you have to catch guys on their heels. And I thought that the Jets were more on their heels tonight and the Washington Capitals uh, were able to capitalize on that a little bit. And I also thought that the Jets weren't able to get that quick start going forward to help them get a lot of those offensive chances. So as I mentioned before, you'll see that I am by myself tonight. So whenever I'm on myself and also, you know, when it, with a guest, of course, as well, it's always great to have people in the chat uh, talking a little bit about what they thought about the game. So if you guys have any kind of particular agreements or disagreements with that or anything beyond that that you want me to talk about, let me know. Read a comment from Brady in the chat. Tonight felt like a clear view of why Esamont is not a fit for the second line. He's done well fitting in, but we need someone more dynamic and talented on there. Esamont will be a great third liner. And I think that's a really astute observation from Brady, right? Um, Esamont is one of those guys that if you're a little bit more, okay, <laughs> I say this all the time and it's kind of rude of me, but I'm going to say it anyway. If you're a little bit more of a casual fan, I can see why you might like someone like Mikey Esamont because of how much he moves and how much of an energy player he is and everyone likes a good energy player right so he skates pretty fast and he likes to go hard in the corner and try and retrieve those pucks and that kind of stuff like I don't mind watching the hockey player play right but like Brady's saying as a fit on the second line they're really struggling to generate things tonight. I thought the second line had a little bit of a rougher game than I would have liked to have seen and I think the need for another forward there is super clear I didn't think that any of the top two lines tonight were particularly good. Um, I think that at the beginning of the game, um, the Lowry line was really getting hemmed in. Um, and I think that, that kind of continued throughout the game. But, you know, no one was fantastic in that nature. But I think that that second line, you know, there's an opportunity for them there that Dubois... Connor other guy line because as you continue through the year um, as the third line continues to improve you know Jensen Harkins has been playing well Morgan Barron's a good fit with Adam Lowry Lowry's been having a nice season the hope is that that line will be able to have another guy added to them or players will improve so that as you get closer to the playoffs that line's able to match at home against the top line of another team you saw it tonight right Jets had last change so Lowry was out against Ovechkin's line for a good chunk of the time and the hope is that as the year goes on that third line will consistently be able to match against that top line and then you can you know match the other team's second line against your top line which leaves your second line to play against the other team's third, right? So that's a lot of numbers, a lot of things I'm saying. Essentially, you want to flip the 1-3, flip the 1-3, um, or 1-2 when you have the last change. So all that to say is that if you can get another guy on that line with Dubois and Connor that can actually help them generate something, that's what... Come, or pardon me that's what leads to long-term you know positive sustainability of play for your team because they're able to produce because they're playing against weaker competition and if they have a guy like Mikey Esamon on there that's not able to contribute at the same capacity that they are I think the Jets are going to struggle there I really do um it, Lindsay in the chat says St. Cloud boy Esamon 
is he from St. Cloud? I didn't know that. That's cool. But I really like him. And like Brady says, he's a good third liner. I agree. I think that there's a lot there in that player. And I'm really happy that he's having the season that he's having where he's getting his chances. He's getting his looks that he even got called up to begin with. Right. Because some of those guys who are a little bit older, when there are some younger guys, you know, sitting in the AHL waiting to get called up, they don't always get a chance. So I'm really happy that he got that chance. And I think that he's had a relatively good showing so far. Like, I've liked a lot of what I've seen from Mikey Esamont, but I also do think that it's a lot to ask a guy who's had a pretty lengthy AHLS career to go and play with the likes of, you know, $8 million hockey players like Connor and Dubois, right? Like, it's it it's similar to when, you know, Axel Janssen, Fjall, or Axel Janssen Fjallby, don't even ask me how to say his name properly, <laughs> um, when he gets picked up off of waivers you know, by Washington Capitals, coincidentally, of course. Um, and he comes in and then all of a sudden, a few games later, he's playing on the second line. It's like, do you really think that a guy who is just let go by another NHL club that's not, you know, the best team in the NHL is the magical fit to fix your top six? I don't think anyone thought that AJF was going to be a long-term fix on in that top line, but it's kind of a similar thing, right? why would this guy be the right solution if he hasn't quite made the crack in the NHL yet, right? So I think that the experiment has gone on for long enough. I'm not mad about the experiment. The Jets don't have a lot internally right now in their group of 12, 13 forwards. That's a right fit in that top six. But I think it's time to bring someone else in because I think that's the only way that things are going to improve, especially in Ehlers' absence. Um, But I think that um, Brady brings up a really good point about Cole Perfetti and I want to talk a little bit about the other top six line tonight which is as we know of course the Perfetti Shifley Wheeler line and that line again I haven't been on as high on it as some other people have been I know that that's one that might be a little bit more controversial for me to say that I don't love but I think Brady says um, it's a great point that um, they haven't been working recently, and when they aren't playing well, they look really slow, and I think that's very true. Obviously, we know that Cole Perfetti is not the fastest player in the world, and um, Blake Wheeler is, like, 36 or whatever, right? So that's just kind of the way that that goes. And like Brady's saying, like, when they're not 100% on, um, they look a, a step behind out there, and I think it's, you know, you can't have a top line that's a step behind. That's just not how that's going to work, and I know that people have off games. It is what it is. It happens, but if this team is showing that they've had a couple of off games in the stretch that they've been together, maybe it's not the best fit possible. And I think that Cole Perfetti is such a pass-first player. And I was taking my notes, and I, was, I, I wrote something along the lines of, I genuinely think that Cole Perfetti, if he were to have not been a hockey player would have pursued a career and you would have gotten like a PhD or something like I just think that this dude is actually like extremely intelligent you can see that he's always looking for that pass when he's on the ice right and he's looking and he finds it like he's really good at opening up some ice and things like that but I also think that he needs to understand and I love saying this kind of thing like I'm preaching to like an NHL player like oh he needs to understand this he gets it I know he gets it but at the same time I'm gonna say it anyway he needs to understand that you can also open up good passing and good shooting lanes by shooting yourself you don't always need to look for the pass and I think that he's very much that player and I don't think anything's ever really gonna coach that out of him like he has always been the type of player to you know the playmaker set things up pass to the other guys get all those primary assists because you're finding the open lanes for the guys and if that's the player he's going to be play him with your best goal scorer and now that Patrick Line is not here who is their best goal scorer right it's Cal Connor and I think that that is a more natural third on that line than a Mikey Esamon and I don't think you're breaking up 
a fantastic line to make that happen. I don't love that line. I don't know what the current fix is. You know, things are hard until Ehlers is actually healthy. Um, but I think this is all just, you know, going to our earlier point that the Jets really need to trade for a top six winger. And I also want to talk a little bit about, um, I I don't know if I'm going to say his first name correctly, but Ellie Tolvanen got put on waivers today, Nashville Predators. Um, and that could be a free pick-me-up to boost uh, into the middle six or the top six even for a little bit, uh, just to give that a stretch. I was really surprised to see that waiver um that that guy be placed on waivers today like that's that's not the type of player that I would expect expect to see being placed on waivers at this point in the season or even ever if honestly like this it's it's a very good hockey player and he's definitely not going to clear someone's going to pick him up and I'm not super familiar with the waiver order right now but I would love to see that be a low cost um, addition to maybe bolster things up a little bit um I don't Brady is in the chat. He's saying no way he drops. I actually don't know where the Jets are on the wire right now. I don't pay enough attention to that kind of stuff, and I'm never keeping up with how things are going. But um, I still think they need to look at some other options on the market. You know, a lot of, you know, whether it be national media organizations or different Jets podcasts, Jets tweeters, um, just different people in media, a lot of people have their own ideas of who that top six fix would be. You see a lot of different Vancouver Canucks names being thrown around. You've seen a couple of, you know, Sam Reinhart's and things like that. A lot of people have their people they'd like to see the Jets bring in. I don't have my number one candidate by any means or anything like that, but I do think there needs to be an external addition. I don't think there's anyone on the moose right now that comes in, and I don't think there's anyone currently on the roster that fits in the top six, but especially in Ehlers' absence, holy smokes, get someone in there because this top six is not working, and they desperately need someone to come in and you know, spice things up up there because in order to be as dominant of a team as their record is showing they are, they need top two lines that are able to go out and outplay their other line or their line oppositions on a game-to-game basis. And that's just not happening right now. And that's what I was struggling with for sure. So Nolan Hockey Podcast says waiver order, I believe, goes in order of standings. Thought like Anaheim was going first. Okay. That would make sense. I thought it was like based on who previously put in claims and things like that. Like again, it's one of those things that I'm a little bit less familiar with than I should be. Um, but all that to be said, I I don't think that Tolvin is going to become a Winnipeg Jet. I'd love to see it, but it is what it is for sure. But that's all hypothetical. That's all, you know, this is what I would do. This is what we should do kind of thing. But we could also, you know, take a look at what's currently going on in the team and what can be controlled within the group that they have right now. And I think one thing that needs to continue to improve and that can be improved by the current personnel that the Jets have on their team is their power play. Holy Dinah, that power play was bad tonight. <laughs> um, even with the when Dylan DeMello drew that four-minute call and then that penalty shot that Josh Morrissey got the call on and all that kind of stuff, Jeepers Creepers, that was a horrendous power play. And I don't know, like, no, I do know what the answer is. The answer is to get Cole Perfetti on power play one because power play two is not happening. There's no one in that line that can score. And the puck just isn't moving well enough on that first power play unit, in my opinion. I think there needs to be more. I think there needs to be a little bit more variety. There needs to be more quality chances that are generated from the guys down low. They need to stop relying on their point guy so much on the first power play. That's a particular note that I wrote down because, you know, as good of a year as Josh Morrissey is having, like, 
there's only so much that a point guy can do on the power play if his name doesn't rhyme with Ment Mearns, right? Like, it's it's a limited position when you're so far away from the net. And I understand that, um, you know, with Josh Morrissey having a good season, we can talk a little bit about the whole concept of the like the gravity score that they talk about in basketball, right? When you pull a little bit more, your defense draws a bit more to your point guy when it's someone you know that can shoot. The Jets experienced that firsthand when Dustin Bufflin was the guy manning their power play, right? Because it was so much more of a shooting threat at the top that your defense, you know, the four guys kind of pull up a little bit, which widens the lane for your guys in the half wall or on the hash marks and stuff like that. And with Josh Morrissey having a decent season, I haven't looked enough into it, but I imagine that there has been a little bit more of that drastic pull towards him and whatnot but even still you can't always be cycling the puck back up to that guy um and then you know getting him to shoot because there's just so much more traffic in front and the puck doesn't always get through and you also have so many more shooting threats that have higher chances available to them that could be scoring so I'm struggling with the Winnipeg Jets power play right now and I'd like to know for everyone who's in the chat right now what do your dream power play units look like um because Again, it's the kind of thing that, you know, okay, so you move Cole Perfetti from the second unit into the first unit. Um, who goes on to that second unit then? And is there enough on that second unit to make it competitive? So that's always the question, right? When you move guys around, it's, you know, um, there's there's a guy on Twitter, Cody. Um, he's got my favorite... Um, He's got my favorite meme. You know the Bernie Sanders meme? It's the, I am once again asking, and his is, I am once again asking you to get Culperfitty on this dog shit PP1, which I absolutely agree with. Uh, and I think I'd like to put him um, in, I don't want to say Blake Wheeler's spot necessarily, because Blake Wheeler is one of the only people who's making anything happen on this power play right now. Like, I think everyone is just struggling with a little bit. Um, but... I, I don't know. So I want to know what you guys think your dream power play units would be with the current internal personnel. Uh, I think I get Neil Pionk off the bottom or off the second unit. I don't I don't love it. Um, I I think I move Nate Schmidt back to more of a point guy as opposed to a lower top of the circle shot guy. I don't know. I just want to change some things. Um, Jonathan in the chat says Caps have been playing their best hockey of the season the last four games. I think that's really interesting. And on these shows, we tend to talk a little bit more about, you know, the team, you know, quote unquote, capital T, capital T, the team that we're talking about in this case on the show, it's always Winnipeg. Um, But there is something to be said for the opposition as always, of course. And I think that that's a good observation. I haven't been following the Caps season as much as everyone has, um, or as others may have been, but they looked really good tonight, I thought, right? Like, I'm going to sit down here and I'm going to complain about the Jets because they lost 5-2. That's that's what I'm going to do. I probably would have complained about the Jets if they won 5-2 because that's just, you know, that's my shtick a little bit. But I also think that the, the complaints I'm having are about the Winnipeg Jets not adjusting well enough to a team that was playing playing better hockey than them and um like Red Flame 36 in the chat says this team struggles to beat trap games absolutely they do the trap defense is something that um was very very prominent in the way the Capitals were playing tonight and I think that that was much the Winnipeg Jets Jets pardon me detriment and that's why they struggled so much Uh, If we want to look specifically at some of the goals that were scored tonight, firstly, shout out Alex Ovechkin. Hilarious, uh, the empty net goal. I was a little bit behind on the recording. I stopped in the middle of the second to go eat dinner, and I was behind, and I got the notification that Alex Ovechkin scored, and I was like, oh man, definitely an empty net goal, definitely an empty net goal, and as the game was going, they pulled the goal, and I was like, oh my gosh, 
was it? Was it an empty net goal? Um, so it's hilarious that he's um, almost at that record. I'm sure he's only a couple off now. And every time he gets close to that Gretzky record, I get excited. I can't wait to see that happen in our lifetime. That That's super thrilling. I'd like to have seen him score more goals tonight. If my team was going to let in five goals, I would have liked all five of them to have been Alex Ovechkin goals. Um but, um, you know, I just wanted to give a quick shout out to that goal. Um, but the Kuznetsov goal was so beautiful. That was, again, some poor positioning defensively by the Jets. Wasn't a fan um, of that. It was a little bit of a miscommunication there. I think, uh, you know, Nate Schmidt needed to pull back a little bit on that particular one. Uh, and then the Lars Eller goal I wanted to point out, too, because that was hilarious. Because um, Adam Lowry literally scored the exact same goal, like, seven playing minutes later. <laughs> like, you know, the rebound comes, the goalie stretches the pad a little bit. There's that, you know, that foot and a half of space between the pipe and the goalie skate. And the player, you know, gets in and off that rebound because of that open space. And then Adam Lowry scoring that goal to give the Jets just just a shred of hope at the beginning of the third was was hilarious. Um, but once again, this is a Winnipeg Jets show and I always, you know, pay more attention to what's going on with the Winnipeg Jets. So we got to talk about the Pierre-Luc Dubois goal too. Man, oh man, was that nice. And again, it comes in when the Jets are able to actually do something off of the rush. I thought in the beginning of the third period in particular, when the Jets had a little bit more possession, had a little bit more momentum and that kind of stuff, that they actually didn't do a terrible job of getting through that defense a little bit and actually creating a couple of those... Um, there's, there's a word I'm looking for. Entries. That's, that's the word. Guys, it's not easy to talk on your own here. I'm just saying things, eh? Anyways, to my point, um, you know, Kyle Connor comes in and Pierre-Luc Dubois, oh man, choking up on that stick. That shot was so gorgeous and that was such a nice goal. I, as everyone knows, I am a massive Pierre-Luc Dubois fan, um, favorite player in the NHL. I actually got a snap memory from two years ago today and the captions like, watching my husband play NHL when I could be studying for my finals and stuff like that. That was literally when he was Columbus and I was watching him stream on Twitch. I don't even know what Twitch is and I would like log on and create an account so I could watch Pierre Dubois stream playing NHL. Like I love this dude, okay guys. Like I the extent I would go to talk about how much I love this man is is unreal and uh you know every time he scores a goal like that I add five hundred thousand dollars to the cap hit that I want them to sign him to long term in the summer I'm like okay 8.5 guys get him in let's let's sign him up because I don't know if Pierre-Luc Dubois is going to be a Winnipeg Jet a year from today no one really does I like to think the odds are getting better with every game that passes especially if the Winnipeg Jets are continuing to put up decent results and win some games and maybe even do something in the playoffs this year. You never know. And if that's the case, I could see Pierre-Luc Dubois staying here at least for a little bit longer, especially if the Montreal Canadiens are, you know, ass as they are. Um, so maybe he's a Winnipeg Jet a couple years from today. Only time will tell, of course, but uh, I definitely think that uh, every time that he scores a nice goal like that, it, it gives everyone a little bit of hope. It gives him hope. It gives the Jets fans hope. It gives his teammates hope, and, and it's exciting. So uh, David in the chat says, Late last night, the Canucks lost a home game to the Minnesota Wild 3-0. The Jets versus Capitals tried playing a Canucks-style high-scoring game, but absolutely failed tonight. And I think that's an interesting observation, too, because I think high-scoring type of game is something that the Winnipeg Jets have you know, tried doing in the past, right? Just knowing the kind of personnel they've had, especially in the last couple of years where they haven't been as confident in their own defense, you know, looking to play a little bit more of an offense first game and their offense was just bad tonight. It just was not good. Um, David says, when it comes to which power play units, coach bonus should trot out versus the Knights. Don't know. 
I don't know either. And that's the kind of thing where it's like I'll complain about it and I'll sit here and I don't know what the answer is. And I think that's often what it is in hockey is, you know, I can sit here on my couch and I can point at so many things, but I don't really know what I'd do differently. But that's not my job is to know what to do. It's to come on here and yell about things, right? That That's why we're here. So uh, in the chat, someone says, the coach needs to teach the Jets how to beat trap games because if they want to make the playoffs, they need to beat these types of games. Absolutely. I think that if it's the kind of thing where it's like, like you said, we're noticing that it's a consistent pattern, especially against trap defenses where they're really struggling. It was a pattern in this game, and I'm sure you can look to others and see continuous issues with that as well it's something that needs to be fixed because if teams are able to figure out that okay these are the things that you're good at but you struggle against any team that plays a 1-3-1 or a 1-2-2 guess what they're gonna do right like it's a very typical hockey system there are only so many systems in hockey right so if they're not able if they just completely fold under the pressure of you know a strong trap game that's not sustainable in the future and into the playoffs uh leah in the chat says who do you think is going to win tonight uh, is the Bengals versus the Warriors. The Bengals have Alex Ovechkin and the Warriors have Patrick Mahomes. What are your thoughts? I love Sunday Night Football. Uh, Alex Ovechkin's been having a really good season. Um, he's only been sacked. Like, I, okay, I can't even do this. <laughs> I actually, uh, believe it or not, I have Sunday Night Football. Finn's game's on in the back. They're not doing so hot. Um, as soon as I hop off this, I'm going to go check out what's going on there and see if Tyreek can, can pot a couple more because the Finns need to start winning actual games and, you know, getting points from more than just Tyreek and Waddle, but that's fine. <laughs> um, this isn't a Sunday Night Football podcast, but however, I do find that every single time the Dolphins are playing, I tend to have a game over, which is weird, and I should have taken that into account when I was making my schedule quite some time ago, but it is what it is. Um, so looking into Tuesday's game, like someone mentioned in the chat, um, I believe Vegas is in town. I think that's who's playing, and Vegas is having an interesting season, um, to say the least. Um, you know, they've had some decent goaltending coming from Logan Thompson that maybe no one was really expecting. They've had some uh, consistently good play coming from kind of all ends of the ice, decent 200-foot game. Jack Eichel's looking a lot better and obviously the elephant in the room Bruce Cassidy coming in uh, has been fantastic for them no surprise Bruce Cassidy has been doing witchcraft with the Boston Bruins for years and it's been really fantastic in Vegas so it'll be interesting to see how that game goes I think it'll be uh, important for the Jets to take this game seriously as they should for all 81 other games but that's besides the point because this very realistically could be a matchup that we see in the playoffs uh, with both of these teams on a decent trajectory to do okay uh, for the rest of the season and likely play a couple games in the postseason so it'll be interesting to see what happens um David says subpar D did the Jets in a lot with whatever pushback in the final 20 minutes too a little too late and that's exactly it um this Jets team doesn't seem to give up super easily which is a really good thing it's really important to have that kind of culture set in early in your team because in the playoffs oftentimes we saw in game three against the Oilers in the bubble season right you know down what was it three nothing or four nothing or so in that fantastic game they had an amazing comeback in the third period but it very well could have been done for a team that wasn't in the right headspace. So I think it's really important for the Jets to not just know how to come out of a hole that they've, you know, dug for themselves, but to actually come out of it and continuously play through that and also not, you know, dig it too early. So um, last thing I'll say on the game, 
not Hellebuck's fault. I know that, you know, anytime you look at a game sheet and you see five goals scored against, uh, you never think too fondly at the goalie, but I think that Connor Hellebuck had a fine game. He had a lot of really important saves, especially early on, that I think led to the Jets staying in this game a little bit more than they could have otherwise, and I think that any game like this is a bit of a wake-up call on the Jets that say you can't rely on your goalie to bail you out every single time because teams will score against you and you need to be able to come through with that. Less chances against are important, you know, less quality chances against are the thing that I will always reiterate the most because, again, your goalie won't have to bail you out if you don't have to put him in that situation. So that's uh, pretty much it for me on this end. I appreciate everyone jumping in the chat, coming and hanging out with me. Maybe a little bit of a shorter show tonight, but uh, it tends to be that way when you have only the one person all by their lonesome out here and uh, just chatting about what they saw. Once again, Game Over Winnipeg, you can check out myself and um, my co-host Brady, who's often with me, will be together on Tuesday. Uh, we're both on Twitter and pretty active, you know, yelling about the Jets and this, that, whatever going on in the sports world. My Twitter handle is Liz Hood, name spelt the same way, and Brady's is NHL Chunky. You guys can catch us there. And if you just, you know, enjoy these shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube, then we'll see you here next time. Thank you so much, everyone, and enjoy the rest of your day. Powered by Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook.